I was thinking about this message when I was preparing it and I didn't have any, any illustration that would make it work or, or that would work with it until I was standing there a while ago worshiping and something came to my, my mind. And I've told this at least once before, but you probably never heard it. And, and I was a little boy, I was about in the third grade and my brother was in the fifth grade and, and we went across the road from our house. It was a big open field and, and right beside it was uh, the railroad tracks and, and the ground was kind of sandy. It was kind of, it's not too difficult to work with. So we may have heard, ever heard this story. Hallelujah. Good. You forgot it. Okay. And, and we started digging a hole. We were going to build us an underground fort. Has anybody ever dug in the underground, underground fort? It was back here in the back. Two, man, did you succeed? Did, it, did you get it built? Well, we had a little, had a little uh, hiccup in our building scheme. So we, we dug down so far and we dug it big enough that we could stand in it. We thought, well, shoot, if we can stand in, we'll start digging back this way. And so uh, we started digging and digging and, and the ground got really hard as we dug back to the left, you know, or back to the right, depending on which way you're standing. But we got really hard and I thought, I've got an idea. We'll blast it out. So I went to the house and I got a stick of dynamite. And, uh, Okay, it was a firecracker. And uh, I, when you're in the third grade, a firecracker is, is, a big th- is a big deal, let me tell you. So we got this firecracker, and, and we stuck it down the hole, and we got it back there. My brother and I, and somebody else is with us, I believe it's Mike Gilbert, and, and we were sticking it, and we lit it. And we jumped back because we knew it was going to knock a big chunk of the dirt earth out, you know. So we lit it, and it went out. Oh, and it lit, we, you ever had a firecracker and all but just the very end of the fuse is, is, is burnt off, but just the very end of it was still there. And so I thought, well, we'll do it and get back. So I lit it and I got back and it wouldn't go off. And I thought, oh, well, man, it got wet sometime. It wasn't going to work. Well, about that time, my brother and I decided to get down there and see what the problem was. And so both of us had our heads down there. We both took our head down. And God looking around it and just, and I never thought about exhaling. But when you exhale, you give something that doesn't have enough energy to burn. You give it a little incentive. And when we exhaled, it caught back on fire and it blew up. Now, one little firecracker isn't, isn't any damage to the dirt and it didn't make us dig very far. We quit, matter of fact, after we got done. Because after, we, after it went off, we both just sat and looked at each other. Probably for several minutes, I couldn't hear anything. I just heard ringing. But that story is to introduce you to this message. And we didn't dig anymore. We just quit, covered up, and well, no, we didn't cover up. We just quit. But there's times. Have you ever felt like you've 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 got to dig yourself out of a hole? You get to dig yourself out. You're in a place that, that it's difficult and, and you're digging out. And, and I, I've started to get a, uh, a projection and do a video or, or something with uh, digging out of the snow. And, and I know how, if you ever dug very much snow, you know how hot you get outside in the freezing cold and you're digging out. But in life, it's exactly the same way. We get ourselves in situations and, and, uh, and, uh, and we've all been there. Every one of us have been there. We've got to dig ourselves out of a hole. It's not always easy to be in that hole, and it's, always, it's usually very uncomfortable, but it's so important that you realize that we've all been there. I'd like you to go to 2 Kings, and I'll tell you where to go the rest of the way in a moment. I'm digging out, and I'm tired of it. 
I'm tired of being in this place that I'm at. I'm, I'm tired of I've always waking up with the same issues in my life and, and it's controlling me and, I'm, and I'm so, it just seems like it's so much is weighed upon me. And the reason I'm, I'm addressing this Again, this week, last week, we talked to the men about the men stepping up and being what they're supposed to be in their homes and, and et cetera. But today, we're talking about every one of us because every one of us get ourselves in situations, and it isn't on purpose. We don't get ourselves in a situation thinking that, well, I'm going to get in real bad shape here in whatever area it is just so I can be miserable. You think that it will make you happy when you're getting there, but once you get there, you find out there's very, very limited amount of... of, of uh, That's what I'm looking for. Enjoyment. Luster is the word I was looking for. Very little luster is there. It looks, it looks so great from the outside, but once you're there, it became very dark. You ever needed out of a situation? You ever wanted out? Now, there's a big difference in needing out and wanting out. Because there's a lot of times we, we are in situations that, well, we need out. We need out of this. We need this to change in life, but we're really not willing to do whatever it takes to get us out of that situation. Why is that? Because there is discomfort always in getting out and digging out of situations. Digging out of something that you didn't mean to really get into to so deep. It seemed that your case was, it seemed that your case is too much, or it seemed that you're trapped in your situation. Year after year, you face you're facing the same depressing struggles, your financial struggles, family struggles. If I just married her, my life would have been bliss. If I just married him, it'd been so much better. Did you know the same issues go in every marriage? It's just a matter of fact, it just matters how you deal with the issues when you're in those. If you're about to get, I won't get into that. We'll save that to another time. Um, uh, Will it always be this way? What can I change? What can I do to change things? What is keeping me where I'm, what is keeping me where I'm at? Pressure, anxiety, debt, other responsibilities. In Second Kings, we have a we have a situation with a a lady. You know, there was a lot of widows back in the time. I know that men usually had to do things that could take their life kind of easily and things. But Second uh, Second Kings, chapter four. Verse 1, it says, Now there was a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that the servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor has come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me what thou hast in the house, and all this that that handmaid hath not. Hmm, let me stop again. And she said, Thy handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. And he said, Go borrow the, the vessels abroad of thy neighbors, even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. In other words, get as many as you can. And when the, thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and thy sons and pour into all the vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went in unto him. She went from him. And shut the door upon her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. 
And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, Bring me yet another vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more, and the oil stayed. And she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil, and pay thy debt, and thou and thy, thou, thou and thy children shall have the rest. Let me, let me stop here for a second, because there was, there was some limitations that God puts on us when we're in the middle of, of uh, wanting to dig out of a situation. Now, I can probably uh, speak to, to most of you in here that are married and things, uh, have you ever bought a new car? Was you excited the first two weeks? Listen to me. Were you excited the first two weeks? Let me, let me go better yet. Have you ever got a new wife? Let's go back to the car. So, <laughs> I don't want to touch that because, you know. We bought a car and you see $25,000 on this car, and you think, oh, man, I just want to have it. I can't wait to get it. I can't wait. I can't wait. And you get it, and once you have it, and about the first month or second month that you have it, you start having a lot of bills fluctuate around. And, and all of a sudden, you oh, my goodness, I got that big honking car payment to make. It's not nearly as important at that time as it was when you first bought it. But now you're in it. For five years, you're in it. What do you do? Now let's go back to the wife. Let's go back to the husband. You got married and it gets rocky. You get married and he's, out, he's failing in some areas. She's failing in some areas and, and it's time to, you want to give up and you feel like throwing in and calling somebody and all this stuff. And there's nothing wrong with doing all of that. But the most important thing is you've got to, you've got to deal with your decision. And you start looking for ways to dig out of it and the Lord speaks to you and I tell you the right way to dig out of it. The husband become what he should be, the woman, and your marriage won't be perfect. Well, let me just say this to you. I don't mean to really get off on marriage, but are you pouring into your marriage? Are you, are, are you really spending time in, in your marriage? Or are, you, are you faithful to your wife? Is, is your wife faithful to you? Is everything you say got to be a complaint? Is there always, let me ask you this. Are, are you cursing everything that God's given you? You say things they're derogatory, and it may not be a curse word, but you're saying things in a way that is anything but uplifting to your spouse. How do you expect that spouse to get better? How do you think that even in your own mind, you can get better toward your spouse if you're constantly bringing curses upon them? There's so, much, there's so much power in our words. We know that there's power in our words. We were made after God's image. He spoke everything to existence. And I'm not gonna say that I can sit here and speak to this box and something would happen. But I'm saying that overall, there's a mentality that we have by what we hear on how we treat things. Now let's go back to this. So you're in a, a desperate hole and, and she was in a bad situation. Her husband died and left her. He didn't leave her an uh, insurance policy or anything. She just left. He just died. And so she's stuck and so now she's desperate. And she went into him and she said, I've got to have help. And, and so I, I'm sure that Elisha thought in many ways when people come to him like we do, people expect a, a one answer word, a one word answer to deliver them out of all their situations. But it was going to take some effort on her part. It always does. It always will. And if you think it, you could just say, God fixed this problem and he just fixes it, it doesn't happen like that. It never will happen like that. You've got to put some effort in. You've got to be disciplined in your life to, to bring it about. No man to bring it to leadership. She was in a bad situation. No man to bring it to leadership in her life. She was the boss. She was emotional. And I don't mean this to be mean, but... How many women ever get emotional? 
They're ready to just to freak out and panic and everything. And oh, we're going to take my boys. And, and I don't. Maybe they were. I know that back that time they would make the kids as bondsmen. They would take them and, and, until the woman or whoever could pay them off. But they were going to take her kids. She was broke except for a pot of oil. That's all she had. And you know what? The Lord will never expect you to get out of what you're what you're in, except for what you have to get rid of it with. Well, there's a lot of scenarios in this, and, and I won't go any farther than that. <clears throat> she was put into action. He gave her some commands, and she moved in action. She put her boys out to get the vessels. They all brought them in, brought them into the house. She sent them out, and it said that there, when it said not a few, it means that there was many. I don't know about you, but I think, you know, maybe 10 pots of oil. I don't think that was the case. I think she had 100 or 200 pots, clay pots all around the house. Every room was probably full. And if she started filling them, they never once said, well, I want if it to run out. I want if it to run out of this one. I want if it to run out of this one. And it was never about running out. It was always about bring me another one, bring me another one, bring me another one. There is, it's so important that you learn, and I learn, that we step into responsibility and do what we're told. The second thing was, she was also obedient, but, but the second thing was that she shut the door. Why was, why was it important that she shut the door? Let me say something to you. As some of you are looking to God and you're, and you're praying, you're seeking the Lord, and you're asking for direction and getting out of a situation, whatever it is, shut your door. Don't involve everyone else into your business. This is your problem. This is your scenario. If you have a confidant or someone you talk to, fine. But shut the door and get serious. There's something about somebody if they get really serious with God, they can touch him. And when they get alone and they just let him speak to them and they speak to God. But when you have all these external voices coming in, it often cloud your vision or cloud your understanding. So she shut the door. Her and her sons, no one else's business. And we're kind of like that anyway, aren't we? We have a, a trial, or at least many of us are, I would be. When I'm in a hole and I'm in a situation I'm having to dig out of, I'm not going to involve you in it. If I involve you in it, it just becomes a, a pity from everybody. Let me tell you, you don't need pity when you're trying to dig out of something. Often does God expect us to move in faith and get this situation in order? This cost is whatever it takes. It cost is whatever it takes to get out of this and to get into his favor the right way you're supposed to be. Does it mean you're falling out of grace with God? No. Does it mean you don't have a relationship with the Lord? No. My goodness. Throughout history, we've seen the failures of man, and we've seen how many of them were really committed to the Lord, but they had a lot of things beset them. And many times, we have a lot of things besetting us, but we still love him with all of our heart. You're here this morning. You are here this morning, and there may be an issue. There may be a situation in your life that is beyond your control. God has an answer. We must be willing to follow. This woman listened and she acted. 
she could have begun to make an excuse. Let me, I think that many times the one thing that keeps us from getting through a situation or getting through a, a, a problem or um, catastrophe or, or financial ruin or a family problems is that we just simply don't listen. We have to always got to speak. We don't always have to speak. We don't always have to make excuses. We don't have to think why, why it will work for me. One thing about it, if you're all, if you're working according to the way the Lord wants you, he'll always work it out. And your faithfulness to prove it, if we will. Second place I'd like you to go is in uh, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And when he left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and taken of nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. So when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fish and the net break, and they beckoned their partners which were the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, and that, so filled both boats so that they began to sink. And I began to think about Peter for just a minute because, you know, he was a professional, speak, a professional fisherman. And uh, it'd be like, where's Jason? If, if I was going down here to Wapapella and I started telling Jason where to go to catch the fish, It'd be a miracle if he caught any if I told you where to go. He'd been on his own. He'd been out there fishing all night and he labored. And let me tell you, this is why I know that Peter had done his best. He had bills to pay. He had electric. He had rent. <clears throat> he had a boat payment. He had insurance. <clears throat> None of those things are true, but he did have bills to pay. And he did it for a co- income. And he was going to listen to somebody he had just heard teaching on, the, on shore. And he wasn't talking about prosperity. Probably he wasn't talking about things that would make him want to just jump on board and do what he said. But he'd just been all night fishing. He worked on his nets and he got them all prepared and all ready to put back into storage. And the Lord said, cast that into the deep and let down your nets. And I don't know about you, but I know about me, that was very difficult for him. And the same way with whatever you're going in, you're in a hole, you're in a deep place, you're in a dark place. Maybe you're in a financial crunch, maybe you're in a, a moral crunch, maybe you're in a, a situation with, with your family, maybe a conflict of interest, maybe you're at odds with your family. And it's a hard, dark place. But if you will be obedient and you'll launch out into the deep, if you'll just trust him, you'll see his salvation. Let's, let's go and read this. Look at my notes. The last thing Peter wanted to hear was this, this, this start over, start again. Why am I going back out here? I just worked all night. I'm dead tired. He knew what he was doing. He was a professional. Everybody else used to come to Peter. He would tell him he'd drop pins on his GPS to tell him where to go and drop the nets to catch fish. Right, Jason? Okay. Sometimes we are known. Uh, even though we know what to do, we have to hear it once again. And let me say that to you again. Many times you know what this sermon's about. You know that this message is about buckling down and, and getting honest and, and then doing something about it. But maybe you need to hear it again and again and again. It's not knowing, it's not knowing what to do. 
It's not just knowing what to do. When I worked at the Teen Challenge and taught a class, and, and I used to teach this one point here at church many times, and there'll be a few people that remember it. But an adult does what? Adult becomes an adult when they do what? When does a citizen become an adult? Where's Linda Mitchell? That is it. Now, you have to be told, have you ever been in a situation that you got frustrated and you didn't always remember that? Guarantee it. Things happen and life happens and you begin to have other things come into your life because you don't want to do it, because you know it's hard, you know it's difficult. It's better just to follow chapter 13. It's better just to quit and walk away. Cut your losses and leave. But the Lord says, no, you should do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. It's not because it's easy, not because it makes it easy, not because of all these situations, but it's many times just doing the right thing. Almost everybody in this room knows what's wrong not by, by not obeying. But what is the one key, what is the one word you're looking for, or I'm looking for, that makes us step into creating or, or something becoming different? There's one word it goes beyond faith. We can have faith back here somewhere. Discipline. If you have excessive debt, you're trying to get a debt, it's going to take a lot, a lot of work on your, on your, on your behalf. If you have a marriage that's on the rocks and, and you never say anything positive, you're so used to saying negative things, it's going to take a lot of discipline. Keep your mouth shut. Know what to say the right way. Discipline is so huge in every area of our life. You may not feel safe. You may not feel like doing this. You may not have any desire because you're so discouraged, but it's something about discipline when you begin to operate in it. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It's snowing outside, but it ain't sticking. Did anybody pack the kitty litter and put it in your car before you came? They may put his salt in your car before you came in case you got stuck in a parking lot and had to put some behind the tires. Have you ever had to dig yourself out of a, a snow pile? Yeah. Have you ever uh, got stuck in the mud and you had four-wheel drive and you got called Bobby Joyner to come pull you out? It was uh, about a year and a half ago. I was riding around or something and and I wasn't late at night. I wasn't out parking. I wasn't doing anything like that. And Memo, I was just out riding around. And we turned around this parking, this guy's field, and I barely got my tires off the drive. Barely, barely got off the road. And I couldn't get out. It was flat ground. It just sunk in mud. You see, you don't have to go off the road very far. You don't have to get very deep and, and really loose mud. You have enough sense not to do that, but you just get off the road a little bit. You got to call somebody to come and get you. You call somebody to come pray with you. you call for somebody to come and talk to. It don't take much. First Corinthians chapter 10. 
Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth <clears throat> take heed lest he fall. There's no temptation taking you such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above all that you, all that you are able. But with, with the temptation, also make it a way of escape. You may be able to bear it. Let's think about it for just a second. Has anybody here ever felt like you was beyond help? Your situation was too dark? It was too bleak? My wife and I felt that many times, haven't we? Beyond it? So what's the alternative? What's the answer to, to, to something that's difficult in your life? I'm going to stick in my notes and I'm going to get ready to close. <clears throat> You want a way out, but you're unwilling to, and you think you're unique in the situation. Don't let pride get get into the hearing. Don't let pride get into hearing the direction God has for you. Don't let pride get in your way from hearing the direction that God has for you. Verse 13, you're not facing an uncommon battle. Oh my goodness, we think that we're, our situation is so hard. There's a hundred other people. Whatever situation you're in, you're not the only one in this building. I don't care what it is. You're not the only one that's having to struggle with this. And you've got to battle and you have to make decisions. It has been seen before. It's not unique to just you. I've heard this phrase a lot lately about owning the situation that you're in. And I think one of the hardest things to do, but once we own it, we can do something about it. If you denied it, that you've got this going on, you've denied your financial state, you denied your relationship, just even yourself, you've got things going on that nobody knows about it. Once you keep denied, you keep dealing with the same problem. All, that is, all of it is not that difficult. You have to deal honestly with it. You have to own it. You're not trapped. And I think one of the hardest things for us to do is that we're old enough to know better, but we're not old enough. We seem we're old enough to think differently. I'm going to close with this. There was a way out of your situation. It's not easy, but you will be able to deal with it. Joshua chapter 10, verse 8 says, it says, one thing that I just, I just wrote down, and I wrote to say this to you, fear them not. And I'm going to close with this passage. It's in Ezekiel. You know, basketball is a, uh, I heard Lathan say this once. He said, it's a game of runs. One team runs, one team runs. Um, I agree with that. The teams are competitive. But there was, um, when I was growing up, there was one place you never wanted to go. 
and it's up in Harlan. I know, Bob, you know about Harlan, don't you? And, and Harlan was in a place that always had, don't take this offense, that was had some brothers there. And, uh, and man, they were just, they were just all over you, intense. And I always dreaded going to Harlan. Man, to drive up there is so depressing. And going to this mountain, this holler, this valley or whatever, and playing basketball. And, and it, was, it was rough. But to think about it, we were beat before we ever got there. You're already beat before you ever get start today, tomorrow. You start facing your situation you start dealing with the, the thing that you're battling. You start dealing with it now. You don't put it off too long. In Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 8. <clears throat> Behold, I have made thy face against her, thy face strong against her faces. Thy forehead against their foreheads. As the adamant harder, harder than flint have I made thy forehead. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. Moreover, he said, Son of man, all my words I, I shall speak unto and thou sh- All my words that I shall speak unto thee, receive in thy heart, and thy ears, and with thy, and hear with thy ears, and go and get thee of the captivity of the children of thy people and speak unto them and tell them the Lord God, thus saith the Lord God, whether they will hear you or whether they will forbear. The thing is this, you have to be exactly like that. I'm gonna ask today, how many has a situation in your life that is very hard? You don't have to talk about it, I want you to talk about it. But it's very hard and it is. Anybody? I want to see your hand. You get a situation that's beyond your control. I do. You have a situation, and there's something about the discipline and the trust that you're going to have to have to get you through this. You're not going to be able to get through it by running away. Bow your heads with me, if you would. We've been captive and we've let the enemy play games and because he's experienced and because he's knowledgeable and we know the word and things, but for some reason to us, we feel that we are stuck. We're stuck. We feel we are damned, that we are doomed. No, you're not. There were several hands that went up. And I don't know if there's a whole lot more. You came into church today with all this stuff on your mind and you go back out with it and you don't deal with it at all. 
the Lord is saying to you this morning, at least I'm saying to you this morning, and with the Lord's help and with this scripture, that you've got to set your head as flint against your foreheads. doesn't matter what it is, and it may take time, and it takes a, a lot of effort. But friend, it's going to take a lot of discipline in your life to get this thing under control. It would be great, and it's wonderful when we say, God, deliver me. But he may deliver you, but you've got to go to the right places. You've got to do the right things to keep the deliverance true.